0: to be here again to worship God this evening. To be able to hear a portion of His Word that He wants us to know. You know, we look into His Word and we, we ask God to open our hearts and grant to us uh, your wisdom, your knowledge, His wisdom, His knowledge, for us to understand and grow. And that's what God does for us when we open it up. His Word never goes out. Uh, without accomplishing what He desires. And we know that He desires our good and our salvation as we humble our hearts. Let's please go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We praise you, we love you, we thank you. Thank you so very much for all that you've done and for all that you do. Thank you so very much for granting to us an open heart, a willing mind, And the understanding. Thank you Lord God for humbling us. So that we would open our hearts to you. That we would surrender to you. And be here tonight. To worship you. And for those of us who have put on Jesus in Christ. We thank you so very much for salvation. For those who are are thinking about it. We thank you so very much for the day and the opportunity. For those who have never heard but are hearing today. We thank you for this day. Help us Lord God. Help us to always give you all the praise, honor, and glory for every good and perfect gift that comes from to us from you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee to be that will. Amen. We are going to look uh, in both Old and New Testament uh, verses or passages of Scripture to look at questions that God has asked humanity, certain particular individuals, but. If we can translate some of those questions, or or maybe should I say transfer them, from the individual within their context to maybe our lives today, what kind of answers would we give to God if He asked the same questions to us? So God's questions, we're starting in Genesis chapter 3 tonight. God's conversations with mankind are thought-provoking, and wonderful. They're powerful. And they're designed to challenge mankind, to challenge the human heart, so that the individual will consider their current state, right? Maybe after a mistake they've made or a situation that they found themselves in, they'll consider their current state. We'll go to the obvious. Genesis 3, beginning at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God was um, obviously not playing hide and seek. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Because Adam heard something that he heard before. And now he's hiding himself in the bushes or somewhere. When he hears the voice of God in the cool of the day. Why was Adam hiding from God? Why? Well, we know the answer, right? We can look back and say, well, you know, we can talk about his sin. But he disobeyed God. And he fell into sin. And he was now fearful because he realized, and you don't even have this in Genesis, we don't even have this understanding in the text, but he understood that he was in a very different relationship with God because of sin. Do we recognize that? That when we live in sin, when we choose to sin, and we are unrepentant, we have not repented. We refuse to repent. Or maybe we, we just forget to repent. Or whatever it may be that we are in a very different relationship with God. And God who's merciful and wants to forgive and loves to forgive his children. When we walk away from him, it's a very different relationship. So God asked Adam, now that you've sinned, and now that this relationship is different, where are you? How does it feel? How do you feel right now, Adam? Think about the question that God is asking. How do you feel right now, Adam? Your conscience. How is your conscience right now, Adam? You see, even growing up as young children, you know, we learned, we, we felt horrible when we did something that was wrong or disobedient to our parents and our parents would ask us, did you do this? And that overwhelming feeling comes upon you, right? And you have to figure out whether you're going to tell a lie or tell the truth. And it should be the same exact feeling when we find ourselves sinning against God. And we've got to step away and say, oh, I messed up. And then repent. Tell the truth. Don't let our hearts, your heart become hardened to the point that that feeling, knowing you're wrong, and you feel that separation from God, don't let that feeling go away. So the question that I ask tonight is, where are you today? Right now, where are you in relationship to God? Now, his question doesn't end there. His questions continue in the garden. Genesis 3, verse 12. He goes on and says, and to the man, said, the woman... Whom thou gavest to be with me. She gave me from the tree. And I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman. What is this you have done? And the woman said. The serpent deceived me. And I ate. Okay. That's what happened. But what is this. That you have done. We don't. We don't realize, because we don't know the consequence of our our actions in most cases, we don't realize the amount of damage that we cause in the lives, not only our own lives, but in the lives of other people, maybe generations and generations to come from the very sins that we commit. Now, Eve, the question is, did she fully understand what she had done. Well, because of their sin, Adam and Eve, death entered into the world. Something that had never been, but all of a sudden, death has entered into the world. And she's going to give birth to many children, but just starting, two sons. And she's going to realize something she would never have had to realize had she obeyed God. She's going to realize the hurt, the pain, the agony, the suffering of the loss of a child that is indescribable. Do you realize, Eve, Adam, what you have done? The consequence of that action. And then... They're going to leave the garden, this plush, beautiful place, and they're going to see a world that they never imagined. A world of thorns and thistles and dirt and dust. Maybe dirt's okay, but dust and sand and a land that wasn't producing. A desolate place. Does she realize the hurt and the sorrow and the suffering that she's brought? into the world. And it doesn't end there. And then that would translate over to us where we would see the world in a terrible, in a desperate state. Sin, violence, murder, lust, pride, rape, hatred, oppression, broken families, desperation, hopelessness, terribleness. Loneliness in a place that we really can't call home. What is this that you have done? And that's why God tells us a wise man ponders before he gives an answer. Before he makes a move, think about the consequence that could come from our actions. And then Genesis chapter 16. Hagar, as she had had a scruple, uh, if you will, a skirmish with, with Sarai. And she flees. And, and the question is, where have you come from or where are you going? And then the end of the conversation is, go back. I want to grab just verse 6, if you will, through verse 10. But Abram said to Sarai, behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hey God, Sarah's mate, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they shall be too many to count. Sometimes in life struggles, when we find ourselves in predicaments or situations that we're innocent of, we forget to continue to look to God in the struggle. And sometimes, unfortunately, many people give up. Many have committed suicide because they've just given up and they've not been able to see or they didn't have the patience to wait for God to rescue them. And what, what Hagar had for her were the most amazing blessings that were coming her way. And had she given up, she would not have realized the great gift of God through her child. And sometimes through struggle, we, we, we don't listen to God where God is saying, Where are you going? Think about where you're going before you go. It's easier to run, but it's godly to stand. And life is difficult and struggles are tough, but we have to hold on to God's unchanging hand. But let's be honest. Sometimes life becomes so overwhelming that you don't know what else to do but to run. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. You know the account of Elijah as uh, he was out, and he had he'd done amazing works for the Lord. But he somewhere in there, in his mind, his fear had set in. He had forgotten the great power of God, and God's question to Elijah is, "Why are you here?" And the conclusion is, "Go back and finish my work." First Kings nineteen, beginning at verse eleven. So he said. Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was going to pass by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. And it came about when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel king over Aram. And God gave more instruction. But here's the thing. notice, First of all, notice this. When you're physically, emotionally, spiritually down, drained, please don't forget that God understands. God did not come to Elijah with peals of thunder and lightning. He came to Elijah with an understanding, gentle, and soft voice. He said, Elijah, why are you here? In other words, God showed his compassion and his mercy to Elijah. He showed Elijah that I understand. And he did not debate with Elijah and say, Elijah, that's not true. Although later he said there are 7,000 who have now bowed the knee. I know from your perspective, Elijah, you feel like you're right. But there are some souls out there who are willing to surrender to God, and you are not alone. So the question is, Elijah, why are you here? You're not finished yet. brother. if we could step away from life and recognize That even though life may become tragic and very difficult, and even through this pandemic, we feel like giving up, remember that God will ask the question, Why are you here? Why are you giving up? You're not finished yet. And God is not finished with us. So we have to allow God to work in us to accomplish His will. And what a blessing and what an honor It is to be able to be lights in the midst of a dark world. That's what we are. Lights in the midst of a dark and gruesome world. How do we get ourselves into some of the situations that we found ourselves in? Why are you here, Tony? Why are you here? Genesis chapter 32, please. Genesis chapter 32. The next question I want to look at. Here's a question that God asked, and here's a question I want us to remember and take this one to heart. And it is, what is your name? What is your name? What is your name? Listen to the text, verse 24 of Genesis 32. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name should no longer be Jacob, but Israel but you have striven with God and with men and prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob. You know that name actually meant supplanter, trickster. And God said, But that is no longer Your name. His name is now Prince with God. Israel. What is your name? I'm not talking about the name that mom and dad gave you. I'm talking about the name that God gave us. Christian. We are Christians. And they shall know that we are Christians by our love. That's our name. That's what we stand for. That is who we are. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the verses 17, God talks about that new name. God says, you are no longer to see yourselves the way you're used to. Verse 17 says this, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's who we are. Christians. We see each other now as children of God, as those with this new identity of love. The light in the midst of a lost and dying world. Exodus, please, chapter 4. Exodus, chapter 4. God is personally involved in our lives. And He he makes us think. He makes us think, right, right? In verse 1, with Moses. Then Moses answered and said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I have to say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. He asked Moses this question, Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses didn't say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Instead, he told him it was a staff. And God used that staff. He used that staff throughout the deliverance of Israel. So I ask you today, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? You, You might say, a cellular device. And I'll ask. What are you going to use that for? I'm going to use it to God's glory. What is in your hand? Whatever is in your hand, whatever is in your home, whatever you have that you can offer to God, offer it to God for His service and for His use. God is always trying to remind us that it's not about our ability, but our availability that He's looking for. Are you available for God to use you? And that brings me to Isaiah chapter 6. It reminds me when Isaiah saw the greatness of God and the, 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 the uh, angel that came down. And as the angel came down and asked this great and profound question, the question was this, who will go for God? Listen to the text beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his uh, of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out. And while the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And the question comes, He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Notice Isaiah's complaint was, which he was right. Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm amongst a people of unclean lips. And the angel says, I'm going to touch your tongue and now you're forgiven and your lips are clean. What's your excuse now? And there was no excuse. Who will go for me? Lord, here I am. Send me. Tonight, do, do I have, do I have an excuse? Do I have an excuse? I've been forgiven, I've been washed, do I have an excuse? Ezekiel, please, chapter 37, beginning at, at verse 1. Remember the the bones that, that rattled, they shook. And the question, beginning, if you will, at verse 1 of Ezekiel 37, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them, around them. And behold, there was a very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest And again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Son of mine, can these bones live? Brethren, do you believe that God can do the impossible? Do you believe that? The absolute impossible. Salvation, the resurrection, forgiveness, deliverance, the impossible. Do you believe that God can do the impossible? And so tonight, I want you to believe that. Because the Bible tells us to. That God not only can, but God will do the impossible. And if you say tonight that, preacher, I'm not where I want to be, believe that God will put you where you're supposed to be. And when you say, preacher, I feel like I'm losing my faith, know that God will restore your faith. When you say, God, please help me know that God will and has already done it. Do you believe that God can do the impossible? Son of man, can these bones live and those bones got up? The answer is yes. And so God's answer to us as we strive uh, in the way of salvation and trying to live for Jesus, God's answer to us is yes. Yes, God can and will do the impossible. God will and can save us all if we're just willing to be saved. Tonight the lesson is yours. And I pray that someone is there who has a desire to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, the water, as Brother James has said over and over again, is ready. The water is ready. It's prepared. The opportunity is yours. Tonight, if you would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, sometime this week, today, whenever it is, contact us. Contact us. And then the next thing is if you have something in your heart that you're ready to make right with God or someone, make that right with God, with that someone today. For now is the time of salvation Today is the day of salvation. Why don't you come to God today? God is ready. God is waiting. God bless each one of you.